Thank you for listening to the weekly message from First Baptist Church in Bushland, Texas. Uh, we're going to jump into our Joshua Code. That's a series that we're in uh, and will be in for a while. And if you haven't been with us, the Joshua Code is uh, simply um, taken from Joshua 1.8. It is a series where you take a passage of Scripture uh, a week, and we just kind of hammer on that passage And basically what we want to do is we want to become a church that can quote these passages or a believer that can quote these passages at any time of the day. That whenever we need them, they're there. They're right on the tips of our tongue. We are doers of the word, not just hearers only, that we really know the word. And so today is Joshua, I mean, it's uh, Matthew 5, 6, but I want to set the table just a little bit. Brett, if you'll go to the slides these are, this sermon that we're going to look at is called the Sermon on the Mount. It's found in Matthew chapter 5. If you want to go to chapter 5, you go right ahead. But Matthew chapter 5 is where we're going to be. Matthew 5, 6 is the passage, okay, but we're not going to get there right, right, right away, <laughs> hopefully at the end, but we'll get to it. But, but we've got to set this up a little bit. The Sermon on the Mount is a passage of Scripture where Jesus gives instructions, okay, and in this, Uh, it's called the Beatitudes, okay? Now, on the slide, you see it says the Beatitudes, not the do-attitudes. That's important because if you think that, see, many people in the church, they come to church and some people think, well, that's a Christian and that's what they do, so I'll do that, okay? Now, understand something. Jesus never intended for us to be robotic people who have the do attitudes. He wants us to be people who, because the Holy Spirit lives in us, okay, and is a spring of living water in us, that we be before we do. Does that make sense? Because if you get those backwards, you're going to be messed up, man. I mean messed up. Because if you're just doing what you think you need to do, because you're a Christian, and you have no reason behind why you do it, and nothing that feeds that which you do, okay, you're, what are you, okay, what are you, you don't know what to do, okay, so the Beatitudes, I want you to first grasp, but you've got to be before you do, and next slide, Brett, kind of explains this a little bit better, being comes before doing for what we do, is always determined by who we are. Some of y'all are like, I'm so glad my child's here listening to this, okay? Now here's, but I'm glad you're here too, okay? So, so here's what I want you to understand. Many times what we see in life is we see an action of a person. We see the outward act of a person. We don't see the initial, the, the initiation of that. You see fire, you didn't see the smoke or the start of the fire, Okay? Let's look at some other areas. Brett, keep rolling, buddy. Ten Commandments, we know them well. The Ten Commandments have to do with actions. The Beatitudes have to do with attitude, okay? So you can be a person who keeps the law, who says, this is what I'm supposed to do, and you can do all the Ten Commandments you want to do, okay, and think that's going to change everything. It doesn't. The Ten Commandments are awesome. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't do the Ten Commandments. They are about action. The Beatitudes are about attitude because attitude is the beginning of action. Your parents will say, see that little attitude in you? That little attitude's got to change. And your finger's like, "Mm -hmm." 
Okay. Now, what's wrong is they just called down the attitude. But trust me, what produced that action? The, 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 the attitude produced what mom and dad just saw, or vice versa. Husband, wife, co-worker, whatever. When we see an action out of a person, something initiated that. Okay? Something is yet. So the Beatitudes, where does the Beatitudes go? They don't go to the surface stuff. They don't attack the action. They say there must be something behind that. There must be an attitude. So the Beatitudes is what? A Beatitude. It's how to be, not do. That's an action. Okay? So we're looking much deeper than just the action. One more, Brett. Oh, sorry, you've already there. My bad. The Ten Commandments have to do with conduct. The Beatitudes have to do with character. See it all the time. If you're a school teacher, you see what? Conduct of a student. That conduct comes from their character. Okay? It comes from character all the time. Okay? For us, see the same thing. Okay? You want a, a man or a woman of high character. Why? Because the conduct that comes from that will be what? One, you do not have to babysit. Nothing worse as an employee is to babysit adults. Amen? Babysitting adults will wear you out. As an adult, you should not have to be babysitting. Okay? Why? Because you should be a man of woman of character which produces conduct that what? Honors God. Honors God. Let's roll on. So why is, it sim- why is it so imperative that we as believers incarnate these beatitudes into our very being? I'm so glad you asked. Here's why. All right? It is because our actions flow from what? Our attitudes. And our conduct issues come from our character. That's simple. Now, I'm going to tell you a story. Watch how this works. Many of you uh, know a little bit about East Texas. East Texas is a lot different than West Texas, okay? When, when you and I, I have some pine trees in my yard, and some of them I'm taller than, okay? Now, I still call them pine trees. Some people say that's a pine bush, okay? But I call it a pine tree. Now, when we came from in East Texas, there are pine trees. Now, I went to school in Marshall, Texas, which is 30 minutes from Shreveport, which means really close to Louisiana, Okay? So these pines are huge. Now, I had a roommate named Billy Foote, and we used to go fishing some in the evenings, and uh, sometimes on Saturdays, we would just go all day, just leave in the morning and go all day. So when you're going down these old country roads in East Texas, they are just two-lane roads, and they are just covered by tall pines, and you can't see nothing but road and pines. Now, what happens if you're not from East Texas is you'll get behind a school bus, and a school bus will stop, And you'll go, why is the school bus stopping? And then all of a sudden, you're going to see, I mean, just probably 30, 40 kids come flying out of these woods and jump on this bus. And you're like, I can't even see a house. Ain't no house in there. There's houses in there. You just can't see them. I mean, they're in the thicks, man. When they say they're in the piney woods of East Texas, they're in the piney woods of East Texas. All right, so we're fishing. We got on this road, and 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 we're driving. And there's this, there's a there's a house 
way out in the distance, but as, and we've seen it before. So we're going down this road, and I'm in the passenger side of the pickup, and Billy's driving, and we've got this boat on the back, and we're going to Lake of the Pines. Lake of the Pines is gorgeous. That's all I'm going to say about that. Bill, might get Dave all excited. But, but going down Lake of the Pines, and so all of a sudden, true story, out of this house, under the house, because they're on pier and beams, here comes about a dozen mutts. I mean, of all makes and sizes of dogs, like A&M breeds. I mean, they're all kind of different dogs. Oh, 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 and they're just chasing, chasing the truck, all right? So that's not uncommon. Yeah, everybody's seen a dog chase a, a truck. So I'm looking out my window, and I glance out at these dogs, and I'm like, that's a deer. Kid you not, had little horns, all right, not big horns yet, little horns. And I kid you not, the dogs are barking and trying to bite the tires, and the deer's like. <laughs> I kid you not, man. I know I spent some time in East Texas, but I'm telling you, that's what I saw. So I said, Billy, I said, Billy, there's a deer chasing the truck. What? Deers don't chase trucks, man. What's wrong with you? I said, I know, I promise. There's a bunch of dogs, and there's a deer, and he says, Dude, that's a deer, man. And I said, that's what I told you. That's a deer. And so he says, we got to stop. I said, no, 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 no. We're not, no. I, I don't even know what's in these woods. I'm not, I'm not stopping. We won't come out. And he says, so we get out to the lake. We're fishing all day. He says, hey, man, I'm going to tell you something. On the way back, we're going to stop. I said, oh, oh, my gosh. Well, I'm going to die. I want to graduate. I'm so close to graduating from college. And so we do. I mean, we're on the way back that evening. He pulls over, and we start walking up to this house. And I mean, barely can see the thing, and then we start to see it. So we walk up, and it's on, it's what, it's supposed to be pier and beans, but you can see under the house because all the dogs came out to greet us, you know. And so we walk up on the porch. Doors open. Screen door. Got no, no top screen. Just has a bottom screen. And I said, hey, man, we're here. That's far enough. Let's go back. He says, no, I've got to ask this guy how this, what, what's the story on this deer? So he knocks on the door, and this guy, what do you want, want? Comes to the door, got an overall, and one of them's off, no shirt. It's this ugly sight. And so he, he says, he, Billy says, I'm way back. I wanna, I'm gonna, all i got to do is beat Billy. That's all i got to do. <laughs> so I'm good because I've I'm, I'm, got the back position. It's kind of like bear hunting. You just got to beat the guy you're with. And so uh, so he says, hey, I want to ask you something. We're driving down the road. Yeah. Uh, uh, and your dogs came out. You don't like my dogs? No, we love your dogs. Great dogs. All right. But there's a deer chasing, your, chasing the truck. What's the deal with that? He says, uh, you boys sit down. I got to tell you all a story. So I'm like, oh, my gosh. So we sit down, and he says he was hunting in the fall, and he shot this deer. And so he, he leaves the blood trail, so he goes, and, he goes after the deer. And in the process of... The deer dying, he gives birth to this baby deer. And so the guy has a heart. That's good for us, okay? <laughs> so I felt much better at that point because he wouldn't kill that baby deer. So I felt good that he was going to let me get back to the truck. And so, uh, so he tells a story that, that he didn't know what to do, so he bottle feeds this deer for as long as he can. And then he, the dog just saw, I mean, the deer just saw the dogs hanging out under the house, so he started hanging out under the house. So the dog... He, the deer sees dogs eating, you know, old Roy dog food or whatever, and he just starts eating it. And so one day, the deer just saw the dogs chase off after the cars, and he didn't know what, I just start, he just starts running. 
And so the dogs start acting like they're barking, or they are barking. The deer acts like he's barking. He ain't got no, not, nothing coming out of his mouth, but he looks like he does. And so he says, that's what he's done. I don't know what to do. I took him out to the woods, tried to release him, comes right back to the old worried dog food. I said, I don't know what I'm going to do with the guy. And I said, that's incredible. That's an incredible story. So we get ready to leave. And so I'm thinking on the way back, what an incredible, incredible story, but so true of us. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says this, Do not be misled. Bad company will corrupt good character. I'm just telling you, man, you hang out with them, and you start doing what they're doing, and you don't even know why you do it. Don't even know. How many of us can stand and give testimonies of people we hung out with, things we did, and we don't even know why we did them? Why do you do that? I don't know. I mean, that don't make a lot of sense, I know. So why you do that? Well, they just did it, so I just did it. We're friends. That's crazy. And that's what Jesus is trying to teach in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, it ain't all about all these rules, do's and don'ts, because I'm going to tell you, you can come to church every Sunday and walk out of here and not do anything that resembles Jesus. Anything. That this church is it's not a magical thing. You, you can't come in here and all of a sudden be like Christ. It doesn't happen. We want you to, to have an encounter with the living God. We want him to change your life and put the Holy Spirit in you so that when you walk out of here, you're different than when you walked in because you've met the king. And so wherever you find yourself, you exemplify him, not because you know what to do, but because you know who you are in Christ. And so the circumstances and situations aren't changing you, you're changing them. Why? Because you're just like a roach. When you get saved, you don't like darkness anymore. When they hit the lights, you scatter. I'm out of here. I don't like it. So you love the light, you hate the darkness. So when you come into it, you're different. You're different. And so that's what he's trying to say in the Beatitudes. And the whole time we look at this, that's what he's trying to do. He's going deeper than just do the right thing. He says you've got to be the right person. You've got to be an attitude. Basically, when you're saved and born again, then you have the power of the Holy Spirit in you to live a way that would honor God. Otherwise, you're trying to do stuff in order to be saved. That's backward salvation. It doesn't work that way. It'll wear you out. It'll make you tired. You will give up. You'll be mad at God. You'll keep score. You'll hate church. You will hate your pastor. You will, and you mean use all this other stuff. Why? Because all the things that people say to try, you've tried, and nothing's working. Won't you give up and try Jesus? It'll work. It'll work every time. Because it's not about doing, it's about being. And if you're trying to do it the opposite way, you will burn out, get frustrated, and hate it. Hate it. So let's dig a little deeper. Not that we haven't already gotten there. Now, here's what, I'm, here's what I want you to see. I've got to break this in two messages. So if you came today, if you're here today, if you came today, I'm seeing you. You're here. Okay. <laughs> if you're here today, you've got to come next week because if you leave half done, you're going to be confused. It's a two-part deal. You've got to come next week to get the second half of this, okay? So here's, what, here's, what I wanna, here's how I want to set it up. The Beatitudes is 3 to 10, okay? And we're going to camp in verse 6. But here's what I, you got to understand. 
three, four, and five feed into six, and seven, eight, nine, ten feed from six. That makes sense? Okay? So if you get three, four, and five, and we look at six, you got to come get seven, eight, nine, ten. You'll be half done. Okay? So here's the deal. I'm calling three, four, and five the pathway. The passage way is six. It leads to what? Oh, some kind of blessed life. So how many of y'all taking cruises? A bunch of people take cruises. We left out of Jacksonville, Florida last summer on a cruise, and we get on this incredible boat, Carnival, not the Triumph, okay? But we get on this, <laughs> sorry. We get on this incredible boat, okay? A couple thousand people, probably 3,000, and I'm looking forward to water that you can see through and all this other stuff. Well, it doesn't start off that way, obviously, because you got to go through what? The pathway. So we're looking at chemical plants and docking stations, got a bunch of diesel rigs over here and storage tanks over here. I'm like, okay. So then we get to this big bridge, and just on the other side of this bridge, when you get under this bridge, opens up to what? The Atlantic. So here's what I want you to understand. Three, four, and five, pathway. Ain't gorgeous, but you got to have it. Five, six is a passageway to what? Your cruise, baby. And it's a sweet one. It's a journey with Jesus. And I'm telling you, he got decorations and do things in your life like you couldn't even think or imagine. You just got to hold out. But see, if you skip the pathway and you just want to start at six, mm, don't enjoy it. Because there's some things you've got to do in three, four, and five to make six sweet that makes seven, eight, nine, ten incredible. Okay? Incredible. No shortcuts here. This ain't no lose 30 pounds, swallow or peel. Okay? They ain't going to do that. Okay? It's 30 days on the treadmill, okay? So we're, gonna, we're not going to shortcut this, okay? So let's look at the Beatitudes. I'm going to read, uh, just follow with me, because I'm going to read them all, and then we're going to come back and unpack them in the time I have left, okay? Uh, Matthew 5, let's begin in verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, that's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful stuff, and there's a bunch in there. So let's start unpacking it. You have a bulletin. On the back is an outline. Again, we're going to look at 3, 4, and 5 called what? The pathway, okay? The pathway. Look at Matthew 5, 3 first, okay? And this is the pathway towards a life of blessing. Matthew 5, 3 says this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, let me say something to you. This does not mean you need to be poor, okay? Don't, don't, I have people use this passage to say we need to take care of the poor. We need to take care of the poor, yes, but this is not what that passage means. What this passage means is that you simply will be blessed, uh, blessed is the poor in what? Spirit, poor in spirit, okay? 
Basically, it means poverty-stricken spiritually. Here's what I want you to see. Blessed are those who understand that I have nothing without Jesus, that I am poor, poverty. Man, I have nothing without Jesus. I have nothing at all. I don't care what my house looks like, my checkbook balance looks like, but I am poor without Jesus. Poor. Man, as a child of the king, you're rich. I mean, are we rich or what? As a child of the king, we're rich. Dude, you're so rich, you don't even know it. I mean, do you understand your destination is heaven? Destination is heaven. You're going to walk on what people steal today, gold. Do you realize that? That's, that's our home. Who's our home? Who created it? God says, I have made you a room, and I'm going to come get you. And where I am, you're going to be. We are rich, man, as kids, as king's kids. But here's what, man, here's what he wants to, uh, you to understand, that you've got to be poor in spirit for yours is the kingdom of heaven. You've got to understand that you are poverty-stricken spiritually without Jesus. When you look at lost people, it ought to break your heart because they're poor, man. They're poor. I'm telling you, I don't know if you've ever sat with a man uh, that has unlimited funds. He's so wealthy, it's, it's, it, he doesn't even know how much money he has. He never has to check a check balance. He doesn't have to worry about a purchase. He just can spend and give whatever he wants and has nothing to think about. I had the privilege of having coffee with a man in that situation. But this man was lost, lost, lost. And I, can't, I could not help but think when we left that morning, as he goes to get in his vehicle and I go and get in mine, I'm walking out and I have to check my check balance often. Okay? He never checks his. But as I sat in my vehicle and I cranked it, and I watched him pull out. My heart broke for him because he didn't even know how poor he is. He's poor. He's poor. He's so poor, and he doesn't even know it. He, he has no idea how poor he is. And all of his blessings are tied to this earth, which is not his home, every one of them. And when he leaves this dirt ball, he's going to realize how poor he really is for eternity. You see, I will one day be rich in eternity. I'm really rich now, okay, <laughs> by heaven's standards. But that man is rich today, but in heaven's standards, he'll be poor. Friends, we've got to understand, and we've got to become a people that understands that everything that we have and everything that we are is because of him. That without him, we are poor. So you think you have to have certain things, but what you really have to have is Jesus. Because if you have him, you are rich. You're rich. And so what he wants you to understand first in this is that blessed are the poor in spirits, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I want you to look at Matthew 5, 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Again, let me say to you, this is not about you 
uh, falling down and hurting your knee and people crying for you, okay? This, Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus says, I know you're hurt better than you know you're hurt. Jesus says that when you cry, I will wipe them away. And nobody can hug like Jesus can hug because Jesus hugs from the inside. But this is not a passage about that, okay? Blessed are those, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Here's what you're mourning over. You are burdened and grieved over your spiritual condition. That's what it is. You are broken and grieved over your spiritual condition. When you see yourself as Isaiah sees in in, in Isaiah chapter 6, woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Job said it many times, okay, woe is me. When you realize your spiritual condition and it breaks your heart of where you are. See, we in the Bible Belt, especially in the church, especially here, have so much at our disposal as a believer. You get involved in worship. You encounter the presence of the Lord. You can get involved in life groups. You can go to men's ministry groups. You can go to women's ministry groups. You can serve in countless ways here. But, but you have so much at your disposal. You have the Word of God you can get into every day. You have quiet time guides. Even back there on the rack, we provide quiet time guides for you. But you have so much so you can grow. But what happens is we have good intentions, but we never do it. And so we look back and we go, man. I wish I was much further in my walk with the Lord. You can be. But what what he's saying is, you will be blessed if you mourn or grieve or be broken over your spiritual condition. See, my friends, there's a difference between being broken over being caught, and there's a difference between being broken, okay, when you know that you've done wrong and you've been caught, but you've you've been broken by God. Over what? Your, your, your action? No. Your attitudes, conduct, or character that produces that action. Okay? There's a big difference between somebody saying, well, I'm sorry I did that and you know, I'm guilty. If, if God doesn't break them over that habit or that behavior or that attitude, guess what happens? Most likely they're going to do it again. Okay? But see, when God breaks you over a, na- a character, quality of yours or an attitude in you that produces an action and a conduct that gets you in trouble all the time. When God breaks your heart, then you change. You change. But if he doesn't, you don't change. And so what we have to understand is that we have to mourn over our spiritual conditions. Where you are today, you have to grieve over your spiritual conditions. You have to want to be more than what you are today. And when you're really grieved about where you are and what you're not doing okay, or being for Christ, then you will change that. Otherwise, you're not going to change it. Do not. So he says, here's the deal. I'll make you a pack. I'll bless you if you mourn over that. If that grieves you, I'll change that in you and make you more like me. I want you to look at 5-5. Five, five. Man, time's going too fast. 5-5. Uh, five, five. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Okay? Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Again, we're talking about meek and broken. Many of you in this crowd uh, know a little bit about horses. Let's just take for an example 
a wild horse, okay? You can't ride that dude, much less get close to that dude, okay? But over time, if you will... If you, if you train that horse and you, and you try to break that horse, and when that horse finally, finally gets meek and broken under its master, okay, that horse can be the best horse you've ever had in your life. And it can be on your command by voice or by the touch of a bridle. You can make a horse do anything, anything, okay? Our will has been broken and submitted to the master's will. Let's just say that you are the wild stallion and he is Lord. He's your God. My friends, we've got to get to the point in our lives as child of the king to when we hear his voice and he calls our name, we say yes that we are so broken and meek under the master's will that we surrender to it. Too many times we bow up to God or we bow up because we do not want to change that area, okay, or do that, okay. What he wants us to be is he wants us to be like a wild stallion that he broke the will, that we surrender to the master, and he can guide us by voice or by a nudge of a bridle and we'll do it, okay? I want you to look at, real quickly, at Psalm 51. Psalm 51. This is David's account, and understand David was a man uh, whose will was broken big time by God. And this is his account in Psalm 51. I want you to look at verses 16 and 17. You do not delight, Psalm 51, 16 and 17. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. That is a man who's broken before the Father, who has broken his will. He doesn't have a will anymore. He is submitted totally to the Father. Uh, and I said earlier back there that there's a big difference between being caught and broken and another thing about being just broken, okay? If you're broken inwardly about your attitudes and your conduct because your will has been broken, God's broken you, you will submit to him and quit trying to be God and quit telling God what to do. So many times for us, we spend more time telling God what we want and what he should do than submitting to God himself. My friends, don't forget what place you are in this. He is God, and you are not. And we should be under the master's hand. We should be under his will. Oh, it's, it's easy to pray, God, your will be done, but it's another thing when it is done, and you're still cool with it. I've, 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 I've had someone say, I've asked God, I prayed for God's will, but this isn't it, and I don't like it. How, how do you know that? Is this what happened? Yes. I'm going to tell you, if it happened, then it came through God. It got filtered through God. So we need to adjust to that which we find ourselves, because this is the will of God, and it needs to be your will. Well, I don't like it. 
It's not what I prayed for. I'm sorry. But this is the will of the Father. Okay? My friends, what I see too many times is that we give our lives to Christ and we are born again child of the King, meaning we are saved. There's a step between Savior and Lord. Okay? Savior means you're saved. And Lord means he's boss. Boss. That means that you are the wild stallion that he just broke. And now you realize that you're a king's kid. And he calls the shots. And he wants to guide and direct your life. And he wants to do in you what he's destined you to do anyway. And he, he has ordained steps. And he wants to direct our lives. Now we are headed down the pathway here. Okay. And five, six is where we want to be because then it opens up to that cruise. But let me tell you something, three, four, and five must take place in order for us to really appreciate six. We must understand that we are poverty stricken without God. Poor. Poor. We must be burdened about our spiritual condition. He says, I'll bless you, but you have to recognize who you are right now. And you've got to, want to, you've got to be willing to grow and move from that. Okay? And last is, you have to be broken and meek before me, okay? That I am Lord, I am boss, my will is what matters, not yours, okay? And then we will enjoy five and six, okay? Five, six, and then we'll enjoy the rest of the Beatitudes, okay? So here's the deal. I'm not under the will of the clock, but right now I kind of am, okay? I don't have time to go into five, six because it's too much, okay? And you, you, your eye contact to me says, I'm overloaded right now, and I'm good to go, okay? So we're going to pick this up next week, but you can't forget this. Some of y'all are like, my, my eyes are saying that. Yeah, you look like you've been in a buffet, okay? And instead of being full, you're full, okay? So your head's full, and your eyes are like bugging out because there's no more room in there, okay? So got, you've got to understand that what we talked about today is that the Beatitudes are about being. Okay, it's not about doing, it's about being. Mary and Martha, remember Mary and Martha? Martha fired up because Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus and Martha working. She says, man, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of her. She needs to help me in the kitchen. She says, Mary, let me tell you something. You, you messed up. She's choosing the best thing and will be blessed because of it. What he's saying is you got to sit before you serve. You got to sit at the feet of the king and then you got to serve the king. If you don't sit first, you're going to think what you're doing is what he wants you to do. Mm-mm, you never got instructions, dude. You're flying solo. You're doing your own thing. And then when it doesn't work out, guess who you're going to blame? Him. You never sit. You, you never even communicated to him. Don't go live your life. Live his life through yours. Amen? That's what he wants. So what we got to do is we got to sit and be, and then we got to do for him. Okay? Not do for us. As soon as we start doing for us, he's going to pull you back. Come here. You are poverty stricken without me. What are you doing out there running out there maverick? You can't do this without me. All right? Can't. So this morning, I want you during the invitation time to simply reflect on you. Not the person next to you. Not your spouse. Not your children. Not anybody else. And I want you to think about this. Is my life. Am I really, do I really understand the fact that I am poverty stricken without Jesus? Or do I think Jesus must be lucky to have me? 
Big difference, man. Big difference. And do I see my spiritual condition right now, where I'm at? And am I grieved by it? Should I be more? Should I be further down the road? All right? And ask yourself, am I, just me, am I meek and broken under his will? Am I? Or am I still calling the shots and expecting Jesus to do a dog and pony show for me every Sunday? That's where we are before we ever get to 5-6, okay? 5-6 is fun, okay? Trust me. But that's the question this morning, okay? Let's bow our heads. Father, this morning, you've unpacked a lot. God, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of big questions on the table for us as individuals, But God, every one of these questions that are on the table in verse 3, 4, and 5 are all out out there because you love us. You know us better than we know ourselves. You know our hearts. And and, and God, you love us, and you're trying to get our attention with these verses because you know that heart's deceitful, boy. You know what it is. And so, Father, this morning, I pray that we would meditate on those areas. God, maybe we need to look at our lives and who we have around us because it's totally impacting our conduct and our character and our actions and our attitude. We're, we're kind of like the deer with all the dogs. We do things. We don't even know why we're doing it, but because all the people we hang around with. And God, we've got to break away from that big time. And so, Father, this morning during the invitation time, it's your invitation for us to respond to you. The invitation is from you. God, maybe there's a family here that needs to join the church this morning. Maybe we need to come and just fall at the altar and just be grieved over our spiritual condition. Maybe grieved over the fact that, you know, I I am nothing without Jesus. Maybe you just need to come to one of these couples standing up here and and, and just allow them to pray over you or you as a couple in whatever area. Father, whatever you need to do this morning, we know you're here, so that makes it safe. And so, Father, may we be obedient to you, but we will be blessed when we are obedient. So God, during this invitation time, may you be honored in Christ's individual.